Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. All right, this morning we're in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 22, and in just a minute I'm going to read through Ephesians 6 chapter 4. Uh, We're in a series within a series. We're continuing on in our study of the book of Ephesians that we titled, In Him, uh, as we've discovered and looked at all the blessings that we have in our salvation through Christ. Uh, But as we come to the end of the book of Ephesians, uh, we we heard Paul give us the instruction, the command, to be spirit-filled believers, to yield our lives to the control of the Spirit. And it's that command that really governs the, uh, the end of the book of Ephesians, from Ephesians 5.18 onward. And one of the areas that Paul highlights for us to determine if we're living Spirit-filled lives is that of relationships, and particularly the relationships that we share with our families. And we looked last week at God's design for marriage in Ephesians 5 verses 31 and 32. And today as we come again to the series within a series of spirit-filled families, I want us to look at what it means to live as spirit-filled wives and husbands. Spirit-filled wives and husbands. So I'm going to read for us Ephesians 5:22 through Ephesians 6:4. So have your Bibles open uh, and follow along and hear the word of God this morning. Wives, Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May the Lord bless this morning the reading and the preaching of his word. Today, as we hear from God's word what it means to live as spirit-filled wives and husbands, we're going to look particularly at verses uh, 5.22 through the end of the chapter, Ephesians 5.33. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't think of a better text to preach on Valentine's Sunday than this right here, right? 
Several weeks ago, Kathy was, uh, we were riding down the road talking and talking about the sermon series and where we were going. And uh, I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be preaching uh, this passage on Valentine's Day. And she said, I bet you planned it to work out that way, didn't you? No, no, didn't do this intentionally. But in the, the providence of God, this is where we find ourselves. And I think it's important uh, that we consider what God is saying to wives and husbands this morning in these verses. I know Uh, That for many of us today, these verses are difficult verses to hear because they put a spotlight on some of the struggles that we face in our marriage. They bring to the surface the things that sometimes we want to keep tucked away. Uh, My prayer uh, this morning as we consider the words of Paul here in Ephesians 5 is that marriages within the church, marriages here at Poplar Springs, wouldn't simply survive, but that they would thrive, that they would thrive. I think many marriages within churches today, many marriages between husbands and wives who would profess to be followers of Jesus Christ are really in survival mode rather than in thriving mode. They're they're just holding on because they have a commitment to the Lord which is honorable and right and understandable. Uh, We we understand that God's design, as we talked about last week in marriage, is that a husband and wife come together together. Uh, in a, a one flesh relationship and a covenant commitment before the Lord, and that is established for a lifetime. And as believers, they know this and they understand this and they want to live this out. However, that marriage is not thriving, it's simply surviving. There's things underneath the surface that need attention, and much of that attention is what we find here in our passage this morning. So, my prayer is that our marriages wouldn't merely survive, but that they would thrive. And here's how marriages for believers thrive. When we live as spirit-filled wives and husbands. And I would just remind you again that that imperative that Paul gives us in Ephesians 5.18 is what governs this passage that we're looking at today. It's why I titled it Spirit-Filled Wives and Husbands. Your marriage is one of the great instruments of sanctification that God has given you in this life. What I mean by that is that your spouse knows you absolutely better than any other person. They know all the good things about you, and oh, do they know all the bad things about you as well. They know everything about you. You today simply know me as Pastor Wayne, or Wayne. Sometimes people ask me, what what, what do we call you? And I said, call me Wayne. That's what my mom called me all the days of my life. It works. It's my name. Call me Wayne. You know me as Wayne, Pastor Wayne. But that's not how Kathy knows me. She knows me as Wayne. (laughs) Wayne. I've told her over and over again in our marriage, that is not how you say my name. You're pronouncing it incorrectly. But you understand what I'm saying, right? That's how your spouse knows you because they know all the things about you. And when she refers to me in that way, it's a pretty good indication that there's something going on in my heart and in my life that's not pleasing to the Lord. She's a tool of sanctification. You see, the marriage relationship, as two sinners began to live together under one roof, is a great means by which God exposes all of our sin. All of our sin. You see, we can't keep our sin hidden from our spouse. And it really irritates us when they begin to call us on that sin or address that sin or even bring that sin to the surface in our life. But what they're doing there is really a great act of grace. Because in those moments, they are letting us know that we are not living a spirit-filled life. 
We're not living the life that God has called us to. So today, as we hear the words from Paul, as we look closer at them, we're hearing God's instruction on how, as husbands and wives, we live out the roles that he has designed for us within marriage. I'm reminded of the story of an engineering company uh, that produced some pretty complex pieces of machinery that were utilized by companies all across the globe uh, to help them in the production of their products. And in one particular instance, there was a company in South America uh, that purchased one of these high-dollar uh, machines uh, from here in North America. Uh, they sent it down there to them. They set it up and began to operate the machinery, but it wasn't functioning uh, properly. It wasn't producing uh, how it should. And so they emailed back to the company, the engineering company they bought it from, and said, hey, we need you to send somebody down here that can fix this. We need you to give us somebody uh, that can get this machine going right so that it can, it can function properly. And having received that email, the company put a gentleman on the plane and sent him down there. When he arrived at the company that had the issue with the machine, uh, they welcomed him in, and they were pretty, uh, pretty put off. They were pretty aghast because the man that they saw standing before them was really kind of a young-looking, what they presumed to be an inexperienced employee that the company that they had purchased this machine from, in their mind, had just sent down here uh, to appease them in this issue. And so immediately, they picked up the phone and called the company, the engineering company from which they purchased the machine, and said, we need, to send, we need you to send somebody down here that's got some experience. We need somebody down here that can get this machine going, that can make it function properly. This guy you sent, he probably doesn't know anything. He looks inexperienced. He's not going to be able to help us. To which the engineering company on the other line, other end of the line replied, you need to listen to him because this is the man that engineered that machine. He built it and he can fix it. What we're hearing today in these verses from Ephesians 5 are the words of the engineer of marriage the creator of marriage, the designer of marriage. And so if your marriage today is in trouble, if you're in survival mode in your marriage, hear the words of the designer. He built your marriage. He can help your marriage. He can fix your marriage. And much of the fixing takes place when we yield our lives over to him and our respective roles as wives and husbands. So let's look at those two roles this morning. Two thoughts, two points to the text today. Wives and husbands, respectively. First of all, to be spirit-filled wives, Paul tells us that you need to respectfully, respectfully submit to your husbands. Spirit-filled wives respectfully submit to their husbands. This is what he says in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. And what's really interesting in the original language is the word submit is not even there. It literally reads in the way in which Paul wrote it, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. What Paul is doing is carrying over that last verb that he gave us in Ephesians 5, 18. Be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit means we submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And one of the ways that that is displayed is in the marriage relationship as wives submit to their own husbands. Now I realize today that the topic of submission in our culture is not one that is readily accepted. And unfortunately, sometimes that's the instance even within the church. We live in what's known now as cancel culture. Say one thing, 
and they'll shut you down entirely. And I want you to know that what I'm saying to you today from the word of God is not accepted by the world. And in some instances, it's not even accepted within the church. But I want you to know that this is God's design for your marriage today. Wives, that you would respectfully submit to your husband. It's been said that there are two dreaded S-words for women within marriage. Our text today deals with one of those words, the word submission. I'll let you use your imagination as what what the other word may be. But our topic today is submission. And I'm reminded of the words of Barbara Hughes in her helpful book, The Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Her husband, Kent Hughes, wrote the companion book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. And I would commend those to you respectively, either as a husband or as a wife. Pick those up, read them, they will bless you. But Barbara Hughes, in her chapter on submission in The Disciplines of a Godly Woman, writes, It's a great sadness to me that the S word has been eliminated so thoroughly from our cultural vocabulary. What was once a treasured Christian virtue has been turned into something submissive, something to be trashed virtually overnight. That's how the world and how many within the church think about the idea, the topic, the issue of submission within marriage. But I want you to know that submission for a wife within a marriage to her husband is a godly thing, therefore it's a good thing. So as we think about the issue of wives respectfully submitting to their husband, there's two considerations that we need to make in this regard. First of all, let's deal with the issue of submission itself. Why is submission not evil, even though it's oftentimes characterized as that? Why is submission not evil? Well, first of all, we need to understand that God is here giving a command. God is calling wives to submit themselves to their husbands. This is a command of God, and God is a good God, and his commands are good for us. This is a good command. The issue is is that we just don't like it. Like many of the other commands that God gives us, we are irritated and aggravated by them. But we need to remind ourselves today that every command that God gives us is for our good. They serve as guardrails to keep us in line with his will, to to lead us in a pathway of holiness. They're there to, to guard over our lives. And so it is for a wife in a marriage with a husband to submit to him. It's a good thing that God is calling you to. Furthermore, submission is not evil because it was practiced by Jesus. Jesus submitted himself uh, to the Father's will for his life. If submission is evil, then it would have been wrong for Jesus to submit. But Paul was very clear in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 11 as he gives us that great Christological passage that Jesus, in the form and fashion of a man here upon this earth, humbled himself and became obedient to the will of his Father, which included death, even death on a cross. He practiced submission. Furthermore, the Bible calls us in Romans 13 as citizens to submit to the governing authorities that God has established over us. In Colossians 3, and we'll come to it in a few Sundays here in Ephesians 6, employees are to submit to their employers. And then as we read this morning, even at the beginning of Ephesians 6, children are to submit to parents. I think we all understand that that we need homes where submission is practiced by children. When the inmates run the asylum, things typically don't go real well. Well, God also calls a wife to submit to her husband. So as we think about submission this morning, we understand that it's not evil, but it's a good thing that God has given to a wife. There's three three more thoughts that I'll give you in connection with this that Paul tells us. First of all, 
in relation to submission, Paul speaks to us about the position. Submission is in relation to position. He, he mentions this in verse 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The word head there, it, it connotes for us, it, it gives us an idea of the, 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 the role of a husband and a wife within the marriage, that within the home, within the marriage, God looks to the man to be the head, to be the leader, to be the responsible party for that home and for that family. He is the head, even as Christ is the head of the church. Paul's told us that previously in Ephesians. And as we are at the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, and he is our head, we place ourselves under his authority. We place ourselves under his governance, under his rule. We follow his leadership. And in similar fashion within the home, God has placed the husband, the man, as the head of that home to bear the responsibility of that home, to lead that home, to govern that home, to guide that home. And a wife is to submit under that authority. That's what the word submit literally means. Your translation may render it this way. Wives, subject yourselves to your husbands. That means to place yourself under them. Under them. To place yourself under the responsibility that God has called them to. To place yourself under the umbrella of his leadership and governance and guidance of your home. Now, men, I know that this first point deals primarily with the responsibility of wives to respectfully submit. But as we talk about the position in relation to submission and the husband as the head of the home, hear me this morning, you bear a great responsibility as the husband in your home. God has appointed you in the divine design of marriage and in family to be the leader of that home. That doesn't mean that you're overbearing. That's not leadership. It doesn't mean that you're the control freak. That's not leadership. But it means that you are the one who is called by God to look out for, to care for, to lead, to guide, to protect, to provide, uh, to give instruction to uh, that home in general. And oh, what a responsibility we bear. You know, one of the reasons that we're in the mess that we are in today in this world with the infiltration of sin and all the hurt that it has caused, one of the reasons we're in that mess is because the first man failed in this obligation to be the head of his home. It's amazing to me how often when we read the account in Genesis 3 of Eve uh, being beguiled by the serpent, tricked by the serpent, and taking the fruit of the tree which God commanded them not to eat, that we always want to look first at her. But what we also see in that text is Adam was nowhere to be found. God had commissioned him and called him and commanded him to watch over, to keep the garden, to watch out for his wife, the one who God had brought to him. We talked about that last week. But in Genesis 3, Adam is nowhere around as this serpent is tricking his wife, Eve. He had failed upon his responsibilities to be the lead of his home, to be the head of his home, to look out for it, to protect his wife. Men, you want to see your home wind up in a wreck. You want to see your home go down a path that you don't want to travel. Don't fulfill your obligation to be the head of your home. Be the head, be the leader that God has called you to be. And ladies, understand that God is calling you to place yourself under his headship, under his leadership. Now, I realize in the culture that we live in today and the feminism that is spoken of today, that's not an appealing thought to many ladies. But it's a godly one. 
It's one, when you understand God's design in marriage, it makes sense. Why is submission so important? Well, because everything needs a head or a leader, and God has said that should be the man within the home. And furthermore, anything without a head is dead, but anything with more than one head, with two heads, is a monster. It's a monster. And I'm telling you, I could speak to you today of marriages that have no head, and man, their marriages are dead. I could speak to you today of marriages that have two heads, and man, they are a train wreck. I could speak to you of marriages today where the wife wants to be the head and the husband doesn't know what to do, and it doesn't go well. So we need to hear God's design for our marriages. We need to follow his plan, and that means wives, that you would submit yourself to the position of headship that the Lord has given the man within the home. Now let me speak here very clearly. This is not an issue of equality. This is not saying, ladies, that you are second class or second worth or, or second rate, that you aren't as valuable as men are to society. Not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Not in any way, form, or fashion. This is not an issue of equality, but rather an issue of responsibility. Not one of value, but one of role. Men and women alike are of equal value in the eyes of God because we're all created in his image. But God here has decreed that in marriage, marriage which he designed and has given to us, that the husband would be the head of the home. And ladies, just as men many times struggle to live out that expectation that God has of them, you need to understand today that in this position of submission that the Lord is calling you to, it's going to be a struggle. When you go back to Genesis, when you go back and you read the account there in the garden, as God came and judged uh, the serpent and Adam and Eve for their, their roles in, in partaking of the fruit that God commanded them not to, when he judged Eve, he told her, one of the judgments that's going to come against you now is in the relationship that you have with your husband. He is going to rule over you. He is going to govern over you. And, and your desire is going to be against him. So by the very sin nature that you have and in the very world that we are now part of has been infiltrated by sin, it's going to push you against this, God called, uh, this godly call to submission before your husbands. But understand, God's calling you to this so that your marriage can thrive in him. So submission speaks to us about position. Submission also speaks to us here in these verses about picture. Picture. We talked a little bit about this last week. This is really one of the defining purposes of marriage that it would be a picture to the world around us of the church. The Puritans so often spoke of the home as the little church, the little church. We're here today in big church. And guess what? When you go home as husbands and wives, you're part of the little church. Your, your home is to be a picture of the church to the world around us, of the gospel to the world. And here in our text this morning, in verses 23 and 24, Paul says that as wives who are spirit-filled submit to their husbands in the position that God has placed them, that it's a picture of the church submitting to Christ as its head. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit. So ladies, understand in how you submit to your husband is going to dictate and determine how you're going to be a witness to this world. And furthermore, it's going to dictate what you think of your relationship with Christ. You cannot properly submit yourself to Christ as a follower of Christ, as a woman of God, if you're not properly submitting yourself to your husband in the position that God has placed him in. It's a picture. And then thirdly, as we think about submission, we need to see the practice as well. The practice. In verse 24, Paul gives us some, some understanding of how this is to play out. 
how it's to play out. He says, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. In what areas of the marriage should a wife be submissive? Paul says, in everything. In everything. Now, that doesn't mean that the wife can't have responsibility in the marriage and there's not some things that she's better gifted at and suited to handle within the marriage than the husband may be. But what it means that in the position in which the husband is placed in that home by God, that he is the one who, who ultimately comes down with the final decision. Yes, guys, get the insult and the counsel uh, and the take of your wife in those important matters. But wives understand that ultimately you follow your husband in everything, in everything. So the practice of submission, Paul says, is in everything. But hear me, it's not to everyone. It's in everything, but not to everyone. Ladies, I want, I want you to hear me this morning very clearly. I'm not telling you today to walk outside of these doors and submit your life to every man that you encounter. No, absolutely not. Paul makes it crystal clear here that wives submit to their own husbands. At the end of verse 24, he says, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Submission in everything, but not to everyone. God has safeguarded this practice of submission because it's only to your husbands. You submit to your husbands as you submit yourself unto the Lord as well. And furthermore, because it's a submission unto the Lord, it doesn't mean that you submit to him in things that would be sinful, immoral, or illegal. All right? But understand, God is calling you today as wives. Wives who would be spirit-filled, who would see a, a, a home that is spirit-filled, to respectfully submit your life to your husband. All right? So we talked about submission, but there's a second concept in this. And that is admiration admiration. So we talked about the submission part. Spirit-filled wives submit to their husbands, but admiration is the respectful part of it. And Paul brings this in kind of in the summation of this topic in verse 33. As he's concluding his remarks on the relationship between wives and husbands, he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband." Ladies, I want you to know today that it will do you absolutely no good to determine in your heart today that you're going to live a submissive life before the Lord and before your husband, but do it in the wrong attitude. It will get you nowhere and it will bring no honor to the Lord. To respectfully submit to your husband means that, that you understand the position that God has placed him in and you respect him in that position. You affirm him in that position. When I talk about admiration in relation to being a spirit-filled wife and submitting to your husband, listen to me, it's more than just the obligation of your mere duty, it's delight. We are bound by the commands of God to fulfill those commands, to strive to live out those things. But hear me, it shouldn't be mere duty, it should also be delight as well. And so wives, as you think about submitting to your husbands today, as unto the Lord... Do it delightfully. Respect him. Affirm him. Uphold him. Acknowledge him. Appreciate him. Spirit-filled wives will respectfully submit to their husbands. Now, if you're struggling in, in some of these things this morning, it's an indication that within your heart, within your life, you've not yielded complete control to the spirit in that area. 
But today, if you'll do that, if you'll yield to the Spirit, if you'll yield to God's Word today, if you'll seek to follow His command, understand that your marriage will be lived out according to the design of its Creator, and the Spirit-filled home will be the result. So Spirit-filled wives respectfully submit to their husbands. Now we're on to point number two. Wives, breathe easy. Husbands, guard your ribs, all right? There may or may not be some elbows tossed here in just a few minutes, okay? Point number two, spirit-filled husbands supremely love their wives. Spirit-filled husbands supremely love their wives. So Paul has given attention to the wives in verses 22 through 24, And now in verses 25, really through the end of the chapter, he's setting his sights on the husbands. And I would draw your attention to something here that if we don't look at it, we can miss it, but I think is immensely important. Ladies, I know what I've said to you in the preceding comments and the preceding point is not easy for you to hear today, but I want you to see that God only gave you three verses of attention. Now, starting in verse 25 and going through verse 33, uh, the Lord is dealing with the husband. There's a lot more material here. There's a lot more direction given here. There's a lot more consideration here. And and I think that's the case for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, God is expecting a lot more out of the husband in the position that he occupies within the home. You're to be a leader, men. You bear the responsibility of leading your wife. You are the head of the home. And and man, that's a lot to bear. And so God is going to tell us some things that we need to give careful attention to. But furthermore, just as the wife's submission uh, to the husband within the home is a picture of Christ in the church, so the way in which the husband loves the wife is a picture as well. But don't miss what it pictures. The wife and her submission is representative or a picture of the church and her submission to the Lord. That's important. But within the marriage, the husband as the head is called to love his wife as Christ loved the church. His is a picture of how Christ relates to the church. Now, both are important, but hear me. As husbands, we bear the responsibility in how we love our wives and picturing Christ to this world. What a huge responsibility that is. What a great undertaking is placed upon us. So how do we love them that way? Well, I think Paul tells us to supremely love them. Christ has loved us with a supreme love. I'm reminded of what John wrote about in his epistles. Behold, what manner of love the Father has placed upon us. The love that we give our lives is to model that love, to picture that love, to show forth that love to the world that's around us. And there's three ways that we display it, Paul tells us. First of all, husbands, to be spirit-filled means that you will supremely love your wife sacrificially. Sacrificially. This is what Paul says in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for her. He's speaking there of the sacrifice of Christ at the cross that through his death, the shedding of his blood, he purchased the church for himself. He gave his life for his church. Paul here is saying, husbands, that's how we should love our wives, sacrificially, sacrificially. 
Now, I don't know a man that's in here today, nor have I ever met a man in my life or in my ministry that would not be willing to lay his life down for his wife. As men, we seem to get it that, man, we're protectors, we're defenders. We're watching over, and we're going to do all that we can within our power, within our strength, to defend, to protect our wife, even if it means giving up our lives ourselves. We understand sacrificially in that sense. And I think most ladies in here would agree with me today that your husband, should somebody break into your home tonight or carjack you as you're going out to lunch, that they're going to defend you, they're going to fight for you. Ladies, they understand that about their husbands. But here's what they really want to know. You love them enough to lay down your life for them, but do you love them enough to get up off the couch for them? I told you guys, you better guard your ribs. Do you love them enough to sacrifice your ease and your leisure and your pleasure? Do you love them enough to put them first? Do you love them enough to to bear the burdens that they carry and make them your own? Yes, you'll die for them, but will you live for them now? Will you love them sacrificially? This is the supreme love that we're called to as spirit-filled husbands. To sacrifice an easy life for the sake of leading and loving our wives and our families. To sacrifice the, the things that we treasure most in order to lead and to love them. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What are you sacrificing today, husbands, for your wives? How are you loving them sacrificially? You ain't died for them yet, so you can't, you can't check that box. So how are you sacrificially loving your wives today, men? That's how Christ loved the church. That's how we're to love them. Love them sacrificially. I'll tell you a quick story. I don't do things real well. That's why Kathy calls me by that name. Wayne. But my birthday was Friday. And uh, I always give my kids a hard time when it's my birthday. And uh, I, I tell them every, every time it's my birthday, all right, we're sitting down for dinner, and y'all got to tell me one thing you love about me as your dad. Pour it on thick and heavy. Here's your chance. Tell me what you love. And uh, it's, it's funny, some of the responses that I get sometimes. But uh, in this instance, as we were doing it, my, my youngest uh, said, well, on Wednesdays, so Wednesdays after church when I get home, uh, Kathy's usually there with the kids before I am. She's got them ready for bed. But our youngest always wants something to eat and to drink right before it's bedtime. And on Wednesdays, he'll ask for that. And generally, Kathy's already done the hard work of getting the kids down and got them ready for bed. And she's already kind of laying down and relaxing for the evening. And he'll ask for that. And uh, she'll look at me and she'll say, well, you go get that. And a lot of times, I'm begrudging. I'll go get it, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get it. I'll go get it. I'll walk downstairs and go get it. But he said, he said in in this instance where I was giving them a hard time, tell me one thing you love about your dad. He said, well, on Wednesdays, you go get me something to eat and to drink. I was like, well, I'm glad I do that. But knowing that I was preaching this message and knowing how the Lord was working in my heart in this, I really had to question myself, do I do that uh, out of love for him? But I also, do I do it out of love for my wife? Now, there's sometimes I want to look at her and say, your legs ain't broke. You can walk down the stairs just as good as I can. 
Now, I've never said that to her, but I might have thought it once or twice. And now you know why she says my name the way she does all the time. But as I was thinking about this message and thinking about what Paul is calling us to here, that's a way for me to sacrificially love my wife. I don't want to walk down the stairs more than she does. But I can love her and say, you know what? You've gotten here before I have. You, listen, she, she does so much that you guys don't see. Uh, as, as I'm a pastor here at this church, she handles the, she's a single mother on Sundays and most Wednesday evenings. And it's no lie, she's got the kids in bed. And so the Lord really impressed upon me that that's a way that I can sacrificially love my wife. To say, okay, I can, I can walk up and down these stairs as much as you need me to. To serve you and to serve these kids. Love your wives supremely. Love them sacrificially. But secondly, Paul tells us here in Ephesians 5 that we need to love them spiritually as well. We need to love them spiritually. He says, starting in verse 26, that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her for this reason, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Paul here is reminding us that Christ is at work in our lives not only in saving us from our sin but in preparing us for heaven. That he is making us more and more like himself. That he is leading us into holiness. That on that day when we appear before the Father, that we will be holy and without blemish, that we will be a bride that he is delighted in. Paul here has in mind an eschatological focus. It's a simple, simple, it's a big word with a simple meaning. He, he, he has the end in mind. Listen to me, husbands, we need to love our wives in such a way that we have the end in mind with them, that we're loving them in our marriages with the understanding that one day we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the position that we've held in our homes and how we have led them spiritually. Now, of all the things that we're going to talk about in relation to husbands supremely loving their wives sacrificially, and then in a minute we're going to talk about loving them sensitively, I believe ladies here this morning would say perhaps more than those other two that what they long for is a man who will love them spiritually. A man who will be a spiritual leader within their home. Now listen, I'm not telling you guys that you've got to be a preacher. You've got to be a Sunday school teacher. I'm not telling you you've got to have a theological textbook on your your library shelf at your home. Even though I don't think that's a bad idea. But she wants to know and she needs to know that you care about their relationship, your relationship with the Lord. That you realize that one day you're going to stand before God and that you're doing all that you can to prepare them for that day. You are the head in that. You're the responsible party in that. And oh, for so long the church has missed husbands who will love their families in this way. Guys, what it means is you've got to take the lead in these things. Man, on Sunday mornings, you need to be the ones that say, hot dog, we get to go to church today. Let's get up and let's gather and let's worship and let's sing. Guys, we need to come together as a family and we need to pray. And I'm not telling you you've got to pray a five-minute prayer. I'm not, I'm not telling you you've got to use big theological words, but let them hear you pray and let them hear you pray for them. And they need to hear you say, let's get together and let's, let's read the Bible. And guys, if you can't read, that's okay. Get together with a family and say, hey, we're going to read the Bible and mama's going to read it for us. That's fine too. But lead in that. Let them know that you care about their well-being before the Lord. 
that you care how they're doing spiritually. It's a responsibility that God has placed upon you as the head within that home. Love them spiritually. And then thirdly, Paul says that a husband loves his wife supremely when he does so sensitively. Sensitively. In verse 28, he says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Christ is sensitive to his church. He understands uh, as the head of the church, as the, the head of the body, the, the needs and the desires and the hurts and the pains that the body is experiencing. He's in tune with those things. The Hebrew writer says that he's a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, who is aware and who can relate to all the things that trouble us. Listen, guys, the Lord is calling us as husbands within our marriages, in our homes, to be understanding of our wives, to understand their needs, to understand their desires, to understand their frustrations, their anxieties, their cares and their concerns, and that we're to nourish and to cherish them. We're to affirm them and build them up. Every man in here cares about your physical well-being, whether you go to the gym or not. You care. Every man that walks past the mirror within their home, they're flexing to see how big their muscles are or used to be. They care. Well, Paul says you are now one with another. And just as you care for your own body, just as you look out for your own well-being and and make sure that your own body is, is looked after and needs are attended to, now you look after the needs of your wife. You be sensitive to her needs. You take care of her, you cherish, and you, you nourish her. Guys, I wonder today if your wife would say that you nourish and cherish her. That you love her in this way. And again, Paul grounds all of this in the gospel. That we do this because this is how, it's how Christ has loved us. Husbands, love your wife as yourself. Let me add one more, one more. This isn't in the notes and uh, won't be on the screen. But I feel like it's important that that I say this today, especially to husbands. Love your wife supremely by loving her singularly. That's a hard word for me to say. Singularly. There's no emotional attachment with another woman. There's no girlfriends. I don't care how long you've known them. Your heart is for her and for her alone. Christ is for his church. His church alone. Let us be for our wives and for our wives alone. And let them know that. Let their hearts rest in that. Love them supremely. I'm going to close this morning with with two final thoughts that I want to give you. One is a danger, a danger. There's a danger as we hear this text this morning. It's the danger that we won't listen for our respective role 
but instead we'll want to give attention to our spouse. We'll be concerned about the speck that's in their eye and we'll miss the log sticking out of ours. What I mean by that is, wives, you're, you were more in tune when I was talking about a husband than when you were as I was speaking about a wife. And guys, you were more in tune when you were listening to me talk about a wife and you were sitting there thinking, man, yeah, if I had a wife that was like that, man, life would be good. And, and man, I'd be in all these better places and man, my home would be a whole lot better. And man, we'd be rocking and rolling if she just listened to what Pastor Wayne said and submit. I think I'm going to tell her that when we get in the car today. You do that and let me know how your Valentine's Day goes. Don't email me this week when she blackens your eye. But you hear what I'm saying? It's our nature. It's our sinful nature to say, I'm the one that's all right. And man, they're the ones that's got it all wrong. When what we need to hear is what God's word has said. That wives need to respectfully submit and husbands, we need to supremely love. And so we need to give attention to the role and the responsibility that the Lord has placed upon us. So avoid the danger of looking at your spouse and missing the mirror of God's word today to take notice of yourself. But then third, not third, I don't know where third came from. Last, that sounds better, right? And finally, Paul says, with three more chapters to go, but lastly, if perhaps today the Lord has opened your eyes and shown you an area Wives, that you're not respectfully submitting. Or husbands, you're not supremely loving. What do you do? Well, you could write it in the card that you're going to give them this evening, and that would be sweet and kind and considerate and gushy and mooey and all those kind of things. But the first and the proper thing that you need to do is repent. Repent. To acknowledge the sin before the Lord. And to confess that you've not yielded control to him in this area in your life. That you're not walking in step with the spirit. That you're walking according to the flesh. That you're not living wise but unwise. That you're not making the best use of the time. That you acknowledge before the Lord, husbands, that, that you haven't loved your wife sacrificially. That you're not about living for her but yourself still. That you haven't loved her spiritually. That you, you've given no consideration to concern about one day your family is going to stand before the Lord. That you haven't loved her sensitively with understanding and knowledge. You repent of those things. You repent. Your mind needs to be changed and you need to hear the word of the Lord today. Likewise, wives. Maybe the influence of this culture, maybe the influence of other women has, has led you to believe that you don't really need to submit to your husband, that you don't need to submit to him in everything, that, that you need to wear the pants in the family. Some of y'all need to go back and check your Facebook Valentine's Day post. That's why I read those things, so I know what to preach against y'all. <laughs> You're more influenced by what culture says than by what Christ has said. So today you repent. You repent. But as you repent, know that as we have sung today, his mercy is more. There's grace, abundant grace that is there to heal, to restore, to give you a marriage that doesn't merely survive but that thrives because you're now a wife, a husband, 
who is seeking to live spirit-filled lives. Husbands, Paul says, love your wives as yourself. And wives, see that you respect your husband. I can't think of a better message for us to hear today than that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word today. And Father, we, we ask today that your spirit would help us to live this out. God, we are feeble and we are frail. And Lord, we need you today. We need you today to show us the areas where we've not live for you in our marriage relationships. And God, we're grateful that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Father, I pray for the marriages that are in this room today, those that are joining us online. God, I pray that they would not merely survive, but God, that they would thrive. They would thrive as your spirit is working within those hearts and in that home, as wives are respectfully submitting and husbands are supremely loving. And, and Lord, together, they're showing the world a picture of Christ in his church. They're proclaiming the gospel to all who are watching. Oh God, would you give us marriages like that? Marriages that would strengthen this church and offer hope to the world. For we ask it today in Jesus' name.